Welcome to High Tide, Low Tide, the podcast where we talk about all things mental health and where we share our stories with the knowledge that it could just be the lifeline of hope for someone who is hurting and afraid that they're the only one. I'm your host, Lisa Scanlon, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. Just a little reminder here, guys, that we are discussing mental health in this episode, so we may touch on things like suicide or self-harm, which may be a trigger for you. As always, I'll pop resources in the show notes or know that you can call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Okay, guys, welcome back to High Tide, Low Tide. I am your host, Lisa, and today I am joined by a very special guest. I am joined by the founder of the not-for-profit mental health organization Together Forever, Kimmy. So welcome, Kimmy. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, very welcome. I'm very excited to um, bring this episode to our listeners today. So to start off, um, would you like to just introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. My name is Kimmy, obviously, if you mentioned. Yeah, so I'm pretty much just, I would like to say mental health has been a massive thing around me. So I do appreciate you hitting me up for the podcast. And it's something very new to me as well. I'm 31 years old and sort of the mental health journey has been a big one from day one, we'll call it. For whatever reason, everyone has their story. Um, I just work a lot to handle it. So we'll get to that, I'm sure, at some <laughs> point. But um, yeah, there's not really much to me. Just, yeah, I just what you see is what you get with me, I think. And if you want to get to know more, you sort of ask the questions. Yeah, absolutely. Our paths crossed and I love this story because, um, so I, for those of you who don't know, I work as a territory manager or a sales rep for a coffee company. And I went into one of the venues in which Kimmy looks after and we had a conversation about bringing um, their coffee, our coffee into their venue. Um, collaboration. <laughs> bit of collab. And whilst I was there, he was wearing the hoodie that he's actually wearing now sat in front of me, which has um, his branding for Together Forever on it. And that sparked a conversation. And so we got chatting and he told me a bit about what he does and we will definitely get to that a bit later. But what I love about this is that it's just so organic and how um, a simple, you know, a logo on a hoodie or a wristband or whatever it is can spark a conversation. And I just think that that is super important. So good work on the hoodies. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Branding that. working a treat. <laughs> yeah. Well, it literally, as you just said then, it is the intention of the hoodie was quite literally to start conversation without saying the words. Yeah. Because a lot of people do struggle, including myself at times. I'm sure you're in the same boat. Absolutely. But when you see a jumper like I'm wearing, um, you almost can't help it. Yeah. So that if it worked with you, then mission success. Exactly. It's got a nice little smiley face on it too. It's quite nice. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Lovely. All right. So we're going to talk through a couple of different things in today's episode, but obviously you're very passionate about mental health. Absolutely. And that will stem, I guess, from the journey that you've been through with your own mental health. So um, let's go, I guess, back to the start or wherever the start of that is for you and let's um, have a chat about that. Yeah, cool. So um, so I was adopted at the age of three, originally from Thailand. I came to Australia, couldn't speak or understand Thai or even English. Wow. So I was sort of like a mute, if you want to call it. Granted, I don't remember that much of it. But what I do remember is it was a pretty rough 
childhood in regards to school and friends and the normality of yeah. that upbringing. For example, I don't really remember kindergarten. I don't really remember anything else of that age, basic mm-hmm. stuff. Family was a wicked support network. That's all I do recall, you want to call it. However, I then went through something in year one, which most people don't. I had a pretty rough, uh, okay, we'll say an accident happened with a lawnmower, is all I'm going to say. Wow, yep. okay. Um, and I was out of school for a good six, seven months, I would say. I was in hospital in and out for the first three to four. Okay. Wheelchair and crutches. So I missed a lot of that socialising, you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and at that age, it's Yeah, it's and I didn't, I didn't have to be held back or anything, which I guess is a bit of a blessing. Yes. Homeschooled, all that jazz. But what happened was I came back with the injury. So I've only got nine toes. Okay. One got cut off and it left lots of scarring, like heavy scarring. Wow. So you want to call it that's where, say, bullying started. Right. So because I was adopted, because I was Asian, because mm-hmm. I had nine toes, I had a limp, and oh. I had a, it was in a wheelchair and crutches, you can sort of join the dots. Right. And sob story as that is, that's just what happened. I sort of got bullied for everything I've just mentioned. Um, bit of a freak in their eyes because I had nine toes, because I had all this scarring and it was mm-hmm. not normal. Now, obviously, as a kid, you don't really... You don't really notice it. You don't really sort of just go, oh, but you just also wonder why you've got no friends. Yeah. So you'd like to say that I was a bit of a social butterfly as best I can, but I didn't know what socialing was really. Yeah. I sort of went to school, came home, went to school again. That was yeah. really it. The socialising I did was with, was, was with family, which was great. We went away, did a lot of holidays, but in regards to going out with friends, it never really happened. Right. Not to my knowledge. Yeah. I also feel like my brain blocked a lot of it out. So Defence mechanism. Yeah, well, I think it is. I think it was a big defence mechanism because if you were to actually ask me in detail, what do you remember of your childhood? Not much. Okay. I remember flashes. But what I struggle with is to differentiate, are they flashes of memories or are they just what people have told me and I remember them okay. telling me? Yeah. Because I see photos of when I was adopted and brought over and I remember nothing. See nothing, nothing like that, right? We went back to Thailand in 2008 to try and went to the orphanage, went to try and ignite my brain. Okay. Nothing. Wow. So there was nothing. There was a bit of a confronting stage there, though. There was an older lady came up to me after speaking to the tour guide. She was all emotional and really short. And she, like, ran up to me and hugged me. And then, like, that's really confronting. Yeah. Turns out, though, it was my nanny from... When oh, I was there, like nanny, as in she like she was the one that looked after me in wow. in the medic room, and, she and yeah, you. so she remembered me very vividly. Wow! But you could imagine, like I'm not very tall for a male. She was up to no higher than my chest, so it wow. was very confronting. And obviously, my mum and dad were like blabbering with tears. Specifically, mum, <laughs> bless her soul. Love mums. <laughs> yeah, she was, but the tra- like it was really confronting when the the tour guide was like. This was your nanny. She's saying she remembers you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, huh. Wow. Didn't really know how to interpret it or take it in. Just took it for what it was. Other than that, though, I don't remember anything. Yeah. So growing up was really kind of in between. And then obviously bullying happened quite often. I... Which is weird from if in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, hindsight. Yeah, I stand back and look at it and go, I don't think I really did anything to get it. Like I was, I played sport. Yeah. I was fairly good at sport, if you want to call it. I yeah. got involved in as much stuff as I could. I wouldn't have said I was a slow learner. 
Yeah. Maybe other than the generic learning English and learning well, the difference I mean, of. We're going to give ourselves yeah, some credit a, here. Yeah, a speech pathology. It never went awry there. But other than that, I never really thought I did anything wrong. But I got bullied all the way up until, call it year 10, I would say. But so I, pretty much your yeah, entire school life. Yeah, so you would understand, like, year 6, year 7, year 8, year 9, not so much. Year 6 to year 8 was the worst. Okay. And what, like, when you say bullying, like, what... Like name calling. Name calling. Parents didn't love me. I'm weird. Stuff like that. I got bullied for what was in my sandwiches, which was the exact same as anyone else. But <laughs> like, I got bullied for everything. The way I played sport, yet even though I was good at it, like I was like team captains type of like recognized by teachers, I guess, because I was really sociable. Yeah. But just railed on by classmates and schoolmates, and like, there's not many good memories. If I'm going to be honest, there's not really good memories from um primary school and year six, year seven. Yeah. I did eventually have a very small group of mates, which are good, but even then they were, I don't talk to any of them now, put it that way. Okay. And they were also the little, the crowd, if you want to put it very loosely, the crowd that people didn't want to hang out with either. Okay. So I was part of that group, if you want to call it. So I was that kid, as sad as it is, like even in year 10 and stuff, I would, you know, I'd be the one in the library doing homework or doing work or working on stuff and yeah. sit by myself because it was more fun than being with people because I never knew if they were friends or not. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And that, I mean, that, it's really hard to hear that. I'm really sad to hear that because, oh, yeah. like, you're such a beautiful person. So, you know, Thank to you. think that you... This was not me, though, in school. I was yeah. literally that. I was a floater in year 12. Mm. I didn't talk to girls. I didn't even know. I remember, I remember in year 10, one girl, I thought I whatever the words feelings meant back then, mm. thought I liked. And I literally remember spending like four weeks having anxiety attacks, panicking to ask for her phone number. Because oh. like that was a big number? thing. That was a big thing back in the day, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then she rejected me. And oh. then all help, all hope just went out the window. <laughs> yeah. I was like, never again, never, oh. ever again. Um, somehow I still managed to get a girlfriend in the year, year 10. Yeah. And then that ended like the year, like literally a year after laughter. And I was like, yeah, screw this. I don't even know, I don't even know what a relationship actually is. I mean, year 11, let's, no. just, let's just do school at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. I just focused on sport and stuff, really. Yeah. And unfortunately, kids can be cruel because, I mean, it's hard because, you know, they don't have the, the brain of an adult who can see the no, damage that correct. that is potentially doing, you know, or they don't necessarily, I don't want to say they don't know better because. That, you should know better. I can remember in school being told, yeah, you know, well, uh, taught that's about bullying thing. and yeah, things correct. like that. I so. think as well, it's, it's what I, and I said hindsight, it's a wonderful word we're going to use probably a lot here. Yes. But I think back then, you, even though you were told about it, you were too cool to listen to it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So yeah. it was so much easier. It was all about popularity back then. If you weren't popular, you weren't mm. in the popular group, you weren't like a footy player, you, you weren't a netballer. Mm. You were not cool. Yeah. Simple as that. And I did like musicals and stuff in school because yeah. I found that fun. Oh, and that dancing. would be fun. <laughs> yeah, well, I had fun doing musicals, dancing. Couldn't sing to save my life, but I was good at <laughs> dancing. And, yeah, that wasn't yeah. cool though. No. You know what I mean? But it's like cause I, I can remember being in primary school and like the quote-unquote cool kids would litter. Yeah. Because like yeah, you knew that you littering wasn't okay, but they didn't care because they nah. were the cool kids. Kind of Literally, and then the teachers would never get in trouble. And mm. yeah, like, I'd like to say I stayed out of trouble, but mm-hmm. but yeah. So that's sort of where as a long answer, short, not really even short, but that's sort of where it all stemmed from. I would say. 
Yeah, and then then obviously my year twelve was a bit rocky for family reasons, and that's where it sort of that's where it really triggered me to go, huh? Because I had to drop certain subjects in school because I wasn't handling it. Do you okay. know what I mean? So, so what was happening outside of school was impacting yeah, really, inside massively, of school. Massively impacted because obviously I'd realised that, look, people were a bit in between, but then the family stuff started and it was it was, really, it was very close to home, obviously. My brother and I were like six years apart, so we were kind of, we interpreted things very differently. But the yeah. way it affected me was I literally just, I kind of like not had a meltdown, but I couldn't. Put it this way, I had to have a meeting with one of my school counsellors to essentially say, I can't do this. So she dropped a couple of school level uh, subjects at school, enough to still, so I got my SACE and all that jazz, but it wasn't the end of the world that I didn't do certain topics that would like just, I just didn't have time for the mental capability of. Yeah. And then I had to have school counselling sessions and that was frustrating. And, <laughs> and then like one of my... And this is the one of the biggest triggers in school at the time. My, my brother, one of his old best friends, his grandmother was one of my was my English teacher, and I will never forget this. And it still makes me angry to the day, and it made my mum furious. And I'm happy to share it. Obviously, I won't name anything, but yeah. she essentially at the end of one English class, quote like everyone left, and she closed the door on me essentially, and like locked me in the classroom and said, "What's going on?" And I just tried to force it out of me. Oh. And I felt really uncomfortable. I like really was really confronting and I didn't expect her. And I'm not sure if she was doing it because she cared or she was not splitting personal and business at this point. Right. Because um, I didn't really have a relationship to her other than I know that you're my brother's friends. Grandma. Mom, grandma. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I think she felt like she did. And I did report that to the counsellor um, and that's sort of when it went a bit pear-shaped, we'll say, in regards to I was pulled out of her class and I lost that relationship outside of school as well with her whenever I saw her. My yeah. mum was furious yeah. and et cetera. So it was a bit, That's I guess that's where the real battle of the confusion of mental health started. Yeah. Not necessarily because I was all depressed and sooky but because... I was really confused and really like put in a corner where I didn't expect it. And then it sort of from there, other things happened. And it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, if you even just look at like we've just talked about your school years now and there's been multiple different things that have kind of, I guess, happened that would impact somebody's mental health. But when you're at that age, I mean, I certainly, you're a little bit younger than I am, but at that age, like we weren't talking about mental health. Mm. So you would have things that had been impacting you, but perhaps were not really known. Yeah, well, as I said, like, yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. It's like, I'm happy to share it, but like, like my dad, what happened in year 12 was my dad, we found out he was an alcoholic. Now, that's a lot of people's stories, don't get me wrong, and everyone's stories, is they're different. My story is essentially, yes, they were, he was sort of an alcoholic, but he lied about it and we discovered it. But then what really hit me in year 12 was he sort of like, without physically leaving, he just deserted the family. Like right. he, he retired, he pretty much chose alcohol over work at a really young age, I'm talking like 55-ish. Yeah. So a lot of I lost a lot of respect for dad in that year and onwards, like many years. Okay. When I say lost respect, I mean stranger. Sort of I didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. I lived with him and I still didn't want anything to do with him. And when I moved out, I pretty much was a stranger. I didn't call him dad. Right. 
because 90% of the time he was drunk, like mm. bad. Yeah. Didn't, didn't like get physically drunk, we'll say, bad, like didn't like physically aggressive, except for a couple of times, which was more like a push. But even then though, the whole mental toll on it, because my brother was so young, there was one time I did have to take him, and it is pretty heavy, but I had to take him out the house because no one felt safe. Right. But the issue is he never remembered it the next morning. Yeah. So it was sort of like, obviously being an alcoholic, it's, it's a disease. Yeah. I respect that and understand it. But when you're in the heat of the moment and at the time, you can't. Do you oh, know what I mean? You just, yeah. you're full of emotions, full of anger, and I guess you're upset. So you just do what you think is the right thing to do at the time. And as I said, that went on for many years. Yeah. And it's, even yeah. even though you, like you can recognize that you know it is a, a mental health condition and you know that addiction has warrant in itself when you're the family members directly being impacted by it, you know, there is there's merit to that as well. Yeah. And it's okay to feel, you know, disappointed <laughs> or angry or hurt or whatever those feelings are that come up there because you're being directly impacted by it. Well, yeah, as I said, it took its toll on me because it took its toll on mum and Chez. Chez is my brother. Yeah. So my mum had to take on an extra job, obviously, yeah. working stupidly long hours while supporting us. I was going through year 12 and my brother was dad's right-hand man, per okay. se. He was the only one really standing up for him for a few years, many years, we'll say. I guess if you want to put it, he was dad's, you know, dad was his hero in that regard. Um, never wanted to believe anything, never wanted to accept anything, just did his best for many years, did eventually give up. I don't, I couldn't pinpoint when that was, but when he did give up, you knew that was, it was pretty heavy from the family because he just, you could tell he was done. He was right. done standing up for him, done covering up for him. Yeah. And even to this day, he's, I think he's very similar to me. We sort of, we've both built, we've both worked hard to, maintain a relationship right but we're both done yeah like any trigger it doesn't take much and yeah. it's very it's kind of bad but we get triggered and we'll just cut off because we're just we're done because yeah. we know what exists we know what the history is he doesn't but we do mm. and sadly when when you do something like he did to us and i said more emotionally and mentally you never forget it no physically i guess physical you never forget that either but like your mental and emotional I guess, hurt and pain, yeah. that hurts more. It's yeah. way more. I think that so. lingers longer personally. Oh, it does. It, yeah. it, it, well, I'll never forget it. Yeah. And as I said, like, it's very uncomfortable every now and then. I saw my family last night and it was really good to see him and everything, but even our hugs are very awkward. Mm. You can tell we're both like, this is what you're meant to do. Right. They mean a lot more now, don't get me wrong. If I, I, would, I wouldn't even touch them years ago, a few years ago. I wouldn't even touch them. Mm -hmm. They definitely mean a lot more now, but even then, it's you can tell it's forced and it's like, or oh, do I donate? Because I know he's sort of, in a way, I know he's treading on eggshells around yeah. us because he knows he made mistakes and I know he's trying to fix it within reason, mm -hmm. but he also knows that we're adults and we're sort of, it's hard to fix some things when you're an adult. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? So he stayed within the family home the entire time? Yeah, yeah. We kept trying to tell mum to leave, but that didn't happen. And they're together now? They're still together. Okay. By default is what we say. Yeah. We've tried yeah. for many years to say don't. But yeah. the guilt kicked in, obviously. Mm. We knew that if mum did leave, the worst would happen to dad, we'll yeah. say. So we understand why she didn't, but we also didn't understand why she, because it was affecting her massively. Oh, I can imagine. Two jobs, sometimes three, 
with the mental strain at home, yeah. we're getting phone calls from us. Like I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. Like yeah. it was really painful to watch. And it affected, in a way, mum and myself's relationship because of the tension. We've been pretty close most of our life. There's definitely been patches, as anyone has. But, yeah, there's definitely some patches there where it was a bit, a bit rocky because of. Yeah. So. And it's a lot for a family unit to go through. Yeah, full on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so that would have definitely affected your own mental health oh, going massively. through that as well. Oh, massively. And there's yeah. all these triggers. Yeah. Always triggers. Yeah. I guess um, I handle it better these days, but, yeah, there's always triggers. Oh, for sure. You know, at that time, did you realise it was affecting your mental health? No. Nah, oblivious. Right. Took it in the moment, I guess, because you're so invested. But no matter what anyone tells you, you're like, nah, it's mm-hmm. not that bad. Or, nah, I'm all good. Or, yeah. Or I just hadn't learned how to speak about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think more. maybe that's more to the point. I just hadn't learned the words to put together other than swear words and emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got... I learnt over the years to never speak from like emotionally because it doesn't mean that you're lying, but that's always exaggerated. Right. If I let my emotions speak, they're very much exaggerated sometimes. Um, so I've learned how to control that a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to, you know, I guess in a way when I teach and mentor other people around me, that's sort of what I tell them is just take a step back and then talk, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you clash big time. Yeah, heat of the moment conversations can definitely go off the deep end, I think. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it can go real bad. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you were going through um, this stuff with the family and with dad. What happened from there? Where did it? Where did you go from there? I moved out. Yeah. Essentially. Um, At what age? I'm going to say 20, 1920, probably 20, I'd say. Yeah, probably about 20. I've been in and out of home, not recently, but like in those years, between 20 and 25, excuse me, in and out of homes, uh, at home, sorry. Mm -hmm. And every time I came back was the same shit, if I'm going to be honest. And that's half the reason why I was like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. I move home to try and save money and I guess enjoy the family time as people tell you to. But. I also realised why I moved out when I moved back. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was just uncomfortable. I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I really didn't enjoy it. And did you feel like when you mo- those times when you had moved out, did you feel like your mental health got better during those periods? I can't really answer that as a yes or no answer because yeah. I just think I blocked it. Right. I kind of just, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I kind of just, I was out so I didn't think about it. Yeah. It was just easier just to not think about it. And I yeah. was like, sweet. But then I have to be honest, I like every time I went home or was planning to go home, I dreaded it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I, out of sight, out of mind, I think it's probably the best way to put it in a very sum up sentence. Yeah. Didn't see them, didn't care. Yeah. Okay. But then I had to prep myself when I knew I was going to see them. Yeah. And um, yeah. And mum knew that though, but she said appreciated me still coming, put it that way. Okay, yeah. It was sort of like I couldn't wait to get out once I got there. Yeah, probably a bit of, yeah, like you said, out of sight, out of mind type of mm. thing, but not really dealing yeah. with any of the issues. Nah. You live in denial. You live in denial. It's the easiest thing. You live in denial the whole way. Yeah. Moving forward, is there a point sort of that your mental health got to its lowest point? Yeah. I'm going to say 2017, the end of 2017. Yeah. Slash... 2018 for most of it. So 
So four or five years ago. Yeah, it was, and it wasn't family related actually. It was one of those cliche ex relationship stories. Yeah. But um, she actually ruined my life. I can't, I can't even deny that. They're the words to use. They're very strong. Okay. But I mean it. Like it. I've never felt so. She made me feel never like at the end of it. I've never felt so just unhuman or inhuman. Like just nothing. Okay. I just. I lost myself completely. I put like, I'd like to think I'm a very caring person. So I guess it shaped who I am today. But back then, I just put everyone and everyone and everything first before me, as uh-huh. cliche as that is. But I did. So like, she was very mentally unstable herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never take that away from her. Like, she has gone through some incredibly horrendous and horrible stuff. Um, again, that's one thing I will never take away from her. So I respected that and I do still respect that in a way. But she would like, like to say she sort of took it out on me, even though it wasn't my fault, but I, co- I copped it. I just took it. I was the punching bag for the good two years there, just right. under. But she drained me. Like everything was my fault, no matter what it was. And like her, she had a couple of kids and everything. It was just all my fault, everything. I did right. everything I could. I became the stepdad, you call it. Yeah. So, which was pretty full on at that age, you know, but I was good with the kids and... There was times that she just wouldn't leave the bed, wouldn't leave the bedroom, so I had to take the kids to school, sandwiches, yeah. drop-offs, pickups, because she was, you know, depressed and unable to do that herself. Yeah, literally unable to do it herself, which that wasn't the issue. That was actually yeah. fine. I was supportive. I did that, and that was fine. What screwed it up afterwards was when I, when she t- she made it personal, like really personal against me, and like she would compare me to my dad, and and that was Ooh. a trigger. Yeah, that was bad. The moment she compared me to my dad was the time that I literally was like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah. I put, put up with it for months and months and essentially I couldn't do it anymore. So I moved to Perth in this meantime as well for okay. six months for work and she still kind of stalked me, you want to call it. Oh, wow. Like I tried to end it in Perth mm-hmm. multiple times. She wouldn't have it. She'd rock up on my doorstep Aww. uninvited and I'm like, that was really confronting. But now she was stuck with me in a different state. Anyway... Got through that. Wait, came, she came to Perth? Yeah, she came to Perth. Oh, I don't know. I didn't even give her my address. She got my address from work. Oh, no. Yeah, she just rocked up and I was not happy, but it is yeah. what it is. I then came back home and we didn't try and make it work. We sort of just, I sort of just settled. We just sort of went with it. Right. And then essentially she, again, it got more personal. And then the, the tipping point for me was when she compared me to my dad for mm-hmm. some other business, which was literally irrelevant. Yeah. But she did and that's when I snapped and I was like, I'm done. I just don't leave me alone. And then I went home to my parents' house and then ignored her for like two, three days. I don't usually end relationships other than in person, but I just couldn't see her. I physically couldn't see her. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to talk to her. I didn't want to talk on the phone. So I sent her a big text message, which I don't regret actually because I just couldn't see her and pretty much ending it. I heard nothing for like a few days and then it went to shit from there as in I got multiple, multiple phone calls, messages, emails, her friends messaging, calling me. By then it was too late. I was already so drained. I had no energy left to give to anyone. So like, I just didn't leave the house. I didn't, it was lucky that I didn't, you know, my my finances were okay. I didn't have to work. I was at home. Probably the only time I enjoyed being home, Mm -hmm. but it was by default because I just had to just, I literally just stayed home in my room, dark, didn't know what time it was, what time it was. Didn't eat well. My family were even to the point where, like, we're worried about you. Yeah. We've never seen you like this. And How I wasn't... long was that for, do you think? Six months. 
Wow. Yeah. I was not expecting you to yeah. say six no, months. No, I didn't do anything. No, I didn't do anything. I, I literally locked myself in my room. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, my, I said my family noticed it. And it wasn't like I was depressed. I wasn't sad. I was had no energy. I was literally done. Empty. I had nothing left to give to anyone. Right. Like socially, couldn't do anything. I was exhausted all the time from doing nothing naturally. Mm-hmm. People were checking on me. I just didn't reply. I checked in enough to that they didn't worry that I'd done any, the worst. Yeah. But I just remember sending a message to all my closest mates, which are only a very small handful, and I said, hey, guys, just an update. Sorry I've been MIA, et cetera, et cetera. And they said, it all makes sense. We understand just when you're ready, let us know. And it was it was good to have them there. For sure. But oh, it I still sadly get, I guess, repercussions and a bit of PTSD from certain things in certain areas and... Yeah. triggers and stuff like that. Like I've had a relationship since then and that was fine. But even then there were still triggers in that relationship, which wasn't her fault at the time, naturally. And I never blamed her, but there was definitely times that I was like, oh shit. And you know, I had to apologize. And yeah. even then there was some stuff at the end of it, which she did tell me straight up was like, you just, it still affects you, I can tell. Yeah. And it's affecting this relationship, which was probably the worst part about it all. But yeah. I don't know. I don't really have a time. I, every time I think I'm over it and I think I'm past it, something triggers it and it hit like, oh, it's like yesterday. Okay. Yeah. So it's like real bad. As I said to you when I first got here, I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I know area. this area. I know this area. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, don't be sorry. But <laughs> it's like natural. Yeah. I can't help it. I yeah. literally just like, yeah, freak out. Yeah. But I'm all good. I'm all good. But yeah. I freak out for that tiny minute moment that's like oh this is a trigger yeah i get that and there's like places i won't go because i know that she does go there or used to go there i just won't go there it's better it's to take care of yourself just just in case it's just in case because like like she used to go to my work everything like it was restraining order type of stuff okay i just didn't do it because i just yeah it was bad (laughs) but that was definitely my um my lowest point yeah at that point was there any a time any time where you were having thoughts of suicide? No. No, it was never suicide, never suicidal. Yeah. It was never depression. Yeah. It was just literally mentally challenging to handle life, yeah, if that okay. makes sense. It was, yeah. It was the biggest curveball I've ever had in my life and I just could not hit it every time I swung. It yeah. just kept smacking me in the face. Yeah, okay. So it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't suicidal thoughts. It wasn't depression. It was just I had no energy. And yeah. that's the word I'll use for everything is I had nothing left, no energy left to talk to anyone, to do anything. Yeah. I just had to ride the wave, I guess. Yeah. And it depends how long it took. And it took about six months, so yeah. And I think that this is a very like interesting in that it's quite unique from any um, other stories that I've told, well, that uh, from guests that I've had on so far, where like you say, you know, it wasn't really like a depression or anything like that. There was just a different aspect to mental health in that yeah. the energy levels were just completely gone. Yeah, like I couldn't. It's every way that I explain it is never enough to justify. Yeah, I have never felt that feeling ever. And I would never wish it upon anyone. Okay. It was just, people go, oh, I've had a bad day, I just can't get out. I would just relax in bed the whole day and do nothing. Yeah. I physically couldn't get out of bed. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I it's just. It's next level. It was, I was like, called it bedridden without being bedridden. Yeah. I went out to go to the bathroom and that was it. I didn't eat. I didn't need to eat. I didn't feel, my body didn't feel like it needed yeah. to eat. I couldn't hold conversations. I yeah. would sleep within seconds. After sleeping for hours, 
because it just yeah, yeah my body was just trying to I think reset. I guess it was trying to reset yeah, probably a good word recover I just but I didn't know and people yeah. asked me like yourself how did you handle it and I'm like I don't really remember yeah I just did yeah I never pushed myself too hard okay yeah so in order so like how did you get out of that I think I just pulled the band-aid off one yeah. day honestly I think eventually one of my mates sort of just said look man you don't have to but and I sort of just did it okay it was exhausting. Yeah. But. What did that look like? Oh. Getting out of the house. Exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> it was exhausting because the first question is, how are you going? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a difficult you one to mean? answer. Yeah. And the answer in reality was shit. Yeah. But. but and I knew no why. No one says that, do And they, I knew but... why it was bad and I didn't really have any answers how to fix it I just had to let it go and in the end he was a really good supporter he's still one of my best mates to this day and he was there the biggest support network he just anything I wanted to do could do it if it was 10 minutes if it was an hour if it was a whole day whatever okay so it was really good so I definitely there was definitely a couple people involved in helping me get over it yeah and those people play such a vital role oh yeah like massive it's, it's not their responsibility but like, and I know from my own experience, having those people to walk alongside you, mm. even when you sometimes maybe tell them to go away, yeah, but knowing that they're still gut feeling, there. Gut feeling, I think. Yeah. They, the instinct for them is to stick around just in case. So. Yeah. So, yeah, those people can be so important in sort of uh, recovery is not the word I like to use, but I guess like. Finding you know, yourself again, I think. I think yeah. just finding yourself is your biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have to have something happen in your life for that to happen. Yeah. Sometimes I think you just need to sit back and go, you know, am I happy where I am at the moment? Yeah. Am I not? So So you just started, I guess, getting out of the house and seeing friends and yeah. got a job. Yeah, I I think so. Like I don't really actually remember, but I should. <laughs> I feel like I should, but I don't. I definitely know that I caught up with a couple and then yeah. I got back into emceeing which okay. was good because I like to be on stage. I think that helped. Yeah. Probably that's probably the main, main one. And then I definitely got back into working again. And, yeah, so it was it was good. I just, when I did get past it, I got past it. Okay. Yeah, I still definitely have triggers. Yeah. 100%, and I, yeah. Hate, I hate it. Yeah. I literally hate it. As I said, driving here, I'm like, oh, okay, apparently I still get triggered. <laughs> so how do you manage it when you have those triggers? I just sort of go, it's in the past. Yeah. And I sort of put a blanket over it and go, hey, move on. Just, yeah. just deal with it. So a bit of, I guess, self-awareness in knowing that, okay, that's a trigger. All I right. kind of like, you kind of like see it coming. Yeah. So you already start planning how you're going to handle it. Okay. So as soon as I like, you know, since got to where we are today, I sort of saw the area and I was like, oh, I wonder how close we're going to get. And then when I got close, I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and then when we got here, I'm like, okay, it's not as bad. Okay. Do you know good. what I mean? So it's like a step process yeah. in my mind. but Yeah. And yeah, like I said, that self-awareness of knowing, okay, ABC may be triggers. I'm yeah. aware of it. I'm monitoring how I'm feeling. I'm I think I just okay. sort of taught myself to do that, I think. And there was no one that really could have given me any advice. I just taught myself how to handle it. Um, yeah. Whether it's the right way or not, I don't know, but mm -hmm. it helps. It works for me. Yeah. And what other things do you do to take care of your mental health these days? These days, I I work a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I, as I've said to you before, I work eight days a week. 
Now, those who don't have to think too hard, there's not eight Listen days. Listen to that again. Eight you know days I mean? a week. Yeah, there's, there's definitely only seven days in a week, but I work eight. Yes. So that is one massive thing. Which, But then in saying that, on the flip side, it's a really bad way to do it because all you're doing is working and you're never stopping. Mm-hmm. Never take time to yourself. How I've got better at it is, I guess, by going, what do I find pleasurable? Like, what do I enjoy? Yeah. And that sometimes is a bit of gaming or is a bit of YouTube, listening to music, which usually is in the car. Favourite band? I don't have a band. Or favourite artist? Favourite artist is Michael is Jackson. Hey! By far, by far Michael Jackson. <laughs> that just, is not what I was expecting you to say nah, at all. because I danced it, because I danced, because I danced. True, Because yeah. yeah, obviously the cliche, oh, he's my inspo, but no, nah, I danced to all of his music, love yeah. everything he does. But um, if you want to say a mainstream person, Ed Sheeran. Love Ed Sheeran. Uh, again, not what I was expecting. Yeah, but I bet you wouldn't you? expect that I have a musical <laughs> I have a musical theatre background too, yeah. which is what a lot of people don't expect. Like, yeah. I'm a bit of everything, you know, so. Love that. But no, I just, I just said, I just tend to, I actually, I get a lot of pleasure out of work. That distracts me also as okay. well. I do love my sport, but even then I haven't watched it as much as I'd like to. AFL? Love AFL, love NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your NBA team? Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. Just, I love Alan Iverson. Yeah. I used to love him. I don't know why, I just grew up loving him and. Mm-hmm. Not as mainstream as obviously the bigger names. <laughs> Always love Kobe, but mm. um, everyone else, they, you know, they're all mainstream. But I think I just, yeah, I don't know. I just liked him and how he played. And when I played basketball, I tried to play like him. Yeah. <laughs> so I think maybe that was the inspo. That's the answer I'm giving you anyway. Absolutely. And crows or port? Oh, definitely crows. I'm like, <laughs> I've been let down ever since 2017, but <laughs> we got wallops on the weekend, but we, did. we, des- we deserved it. Um, Sorry you know, for everyone who's listening to this who isn't from Australia and has no idea what we're talking yeah, about right literally. now. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Nah. So I just expect disappointment these days with the crows. <laughs> I don't know how many years we can say we're rebuilding, but we'll keep, we'll keep saying it. So, nah, I would never go for anyone else, even yeah. through the shit times. I'm still a crow supporter. But, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. So a bit of sports and music, some gaming. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. I guess mm-hmm. that's it. Sort of, I think it really depends on the day. Absolutely. And the severity of how I feel, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, because I've absolutely get triggered by other things, like a past relationship. My, my most recent past relationship, there's definitely some days where I'm like, oh, apparently I'm not over that. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that point in time, I think the best way is I, just, I speak to a certain couple of people mm-hmm. that sort of just tell me it's all okay, mm-hmm. and then I'm all good again. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> that support network. Yeah, it's good. You sort connection. of find, you find your... You find the ones that actually care mm-hmm. and the ones that go, it's all good. You'll be right. Yeah. There's a big, there's a big difference. There's a massive difference. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. And I like the gaming thing. Uh, like I, I do, I love listening to what my guests say they do for their mental health because it's so, um, like, you know, you'll have ones that are similar for most people, but then there'll be those unique ones and that I haven't actually heard before. So that's, um, I guess, because... When you're playing a game, and I don't, I don't do a lot of gaming, <laughs> but I imagine you're so focused on yeah. what you're doing that everything you you, else. You literally don't have time is, to think about anything yeah, else. You're so focused yeah. on that. That's yeah. Objective. Yeah, I like that. That's yeah. what I say. It's not, like, it's not for everyone, but it's definitely no. Something. And I mean, there's all different types of gaming as well. Like I mean, you could play some Mario Kart if you like. <laughs> I used to like Mario Kart, Just, uh, but on, <laughs> what's your game of choice? At the moment. Oh, Rainbow Six. 
of Clancy's Rainbow Six. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I don't even know what it is, really. (laughs) My mates play it, and they got me onto it, so I play it. Okay. And it was good fun. I used to play Call of Duty, but yeah, yeah, I got over that real quick. I know what that one is. Yeah. There's lots of shooting. Yeah, I used to be into (laughs) sport games as well, but got over that too. Yeah. But I'm this person, though. I go in phases. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, sweet, let's do it. And then other times I'm like, I don't even want to turn the computer on. I'm like, screw it. I live on a computer yeah. for work. I don't want to now do it for my social. Yeah, yeah. So, And it's all about listening to what, like you said before, like what you need at the time. Mm. Because what I might need um, right now today for my mental health is going to be different from what I need in two weeks' time. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, as I said, day by day, situation by situation mm. is what I think. Yeah. Well, that's great. So what I'd love to talk about now is the organisation that you have started, Together Forever. Yep. So do you want to give us like a bit of a background on how that came to be? Awesome. Yeah, of course. So it started in 2019 as just a thought and a vision because I, and out of respect I won't mention, but I, I was going through a bit of a patch in recovery, I guess, from the 2017, 2018 episode. Yep. And I called one of the organisations as the advertisements tell you to. Yeah, so one of the phone lines. Yes, one of the phone lines. I gave him a call, but I sort of hung up the phone at the end of the call, very underwhelmed and very nothing. I didn't feel better. I felt, if anything, more confused, a bit more worse, if anything, because I felt very deflated by... And I got given a couple more phone numbers to call. I got a call from another organisation. Like a follow-up? Yeah, like a follow-up call. And I was like, I'm not suicidal I just wanted to talk to someone do you know what I mean like but it was sort of yeah it felt very scripted it felt very corporate very if I say this line go to page three if I Mm -hmm. say that response go to page two choose your own adventure type yeah I just it didn't it it didn't feel very personal and I was like I wonder how many other people feel like this yeah I could be unique I could not be I don't know this but all I know is I felt like that and I was like I don't want anyone else to feel like that so I was like how can I I guess, make people, how do I do this? How do I make someone? I thought, you know what, maybe start your own. Yeah. And I sat there for about 10 minutes going, how do I do that? <laughs> so all 10 I, minutes? I, I God, just, it took yeah. me a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I, just, I just did a lot of research, a lot of reading, yeah. a lot of research, a lot of Googling, YouTube, podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bad words, but you know, it's not that hard. It is hard in regards to the steps, but it wasn't that hard in regards to if you want to pull the trigger on something, just do it and then yeah. learn as you go. So my trigger pulling was, okay, let's just do it. Do the research, find out the steps, and then come up with a name. Mm-hmm. Now, the name was a lot harder because I was like, <laughs> oh, what's not cheesy and what's too cheesy and what's mm. not? And obviously all these other organisations which are like short and simple and then there's all these funny logos or you think, oh, and then you got other ones who think that has no relevance but it works now because it's a household name. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I was like, I don't want any of that really. I just... You got to start from somewhere. And then, as I said, I was sort of looking at stuff and I was listening to a certain podcast and and I was just like, oh, okay, cool. And they were talking about, you know, like the journey is forever and this person was going to be there, you know, and it's a journey together. And I was like, mm-hmm. ah. And I was like, oh, together forever. I thought, oh, that's a sort of a bit of cheesy line. And I made it a <laughs> quote and then I was like, actually, you know what, that actually is very relevant. Yeah. But then, like, I, the reason why I went with together forever with the smiley face is because... What I wanted to bring is, like, by the end of the conversation, you're smiling. And I was like, I wanted that to stick. So it was, if it's something that can stick and become, people see it, and they go, you know what, that's related to Together Forever, then it's worked. Or if I've left the conversation with a smile, it's worked. And Together Forever for me is quite literally like, 
as I said, it started because so many people seek help and guidance and assistance when they're suffering from a mental health episode or mm-hmm. their journey, but then you can relapse at any point. And I think then when you try and, and especially me, like I've done it, I'm the same. I feel guilty going back to the same person because mm-hmm. it's kind of like you've dealt with my shit once, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, but I didn't, as hypocritical as that is, I didn't want other people to feel that with yeah. someone like me. So I was like, you know what, no, I'll be there together forever, whenever you need it, no matter what time frame, timeline, you just tell me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah, and that's sort of, that's where it originated. That's where it started. Um, that's where it started. 2020 yeah. rocked the world. Yeah. So it kind of went on all on hold. But then ironically, that's also when mental health became a lot more commercial because mm-hmm. um, of obviously COVID. Uh, it was very challenging for a lot of people at the time. Uh, 2021 is when I decided to go, you look, you know what, let's reignite it. I did a lot more personal research in regards to how to register and what I needed to do. Yeah. And then 2022, obviously in between work and whatnot, 2022 I pulled the trigger and actually did it. So well and it was, done. Yeah, thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. really good. Appreciate <laughs> it. And then um, I said even though I started it, I didn't release it until I, a good friend of mine, Isaac, um, he's a co-founder. We had a big meeting. He actually reached out to me. He, so he's ex-Army. Okay. So he's got a big history of, I guess, the aftermath of mm-hmm. serving. So, you know, we appreciate everyone that does serve, but he is, you know, a living example of it takes its toll afterwards. 100%. So it's really close to home to him and he actually reached out to me and was like, look, man, I, I love everything about what you're doing. If there's any way I can help, let me know. And I took it one step further and I was like, actually, let's catch up and let's meet. So we talked about it, had a big had dinner and we talked and everything. And then by the end of the conversation, we shook hands and said, let's launch it together. Amazing. So, you know, I'm very grateful for Isaac being on board, but we're as passionate as each other about it. You'll meet him one day, obviously. Absolutely. And, yeah, we bounce off each other really well and we've got two different sides of mental health which we can express and share with the world, which mm-hmm. is really good. But, yeah, so that's where it started. 2019, yeah. progression to 2020, 2021 and 2022 we went bang and yeah. it's very exciting and it's getting, it's a lot more tra- it's getting a lot more traction than I expected. Yeah. As I've said to you in the past, I sort of still eat my humble pie and go, yeah, yeah see how it goes. And everyone yeah. else is like, no, it's going to go bang. And I'm like, yeah, as long as, <laughs> as long as I'm helping people and they feel comfortable talking yeah. to me, I'm happy. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, but what if it goes bang? I'm like, I don't know. We'll jump that bridge when we get <laughs> when there. When we get there. But so what is the main aim of the organisation? The main aim is simple as spreading mental health awareness between anyone it doesn't have to be just males or females Mm -hmm. um but it's everyone but it's from a more personal and relatable level so that sentence is very it's like my mission statement it's very personal to me and it's very close to home and i will never forget why i'd started it and why i while i will like continue to do it because as i said when i made that call i felt like it was very corporate and very scripted as i said to you Mm -hmm. whereas two guys walking down the street in a hoodie with the message on their jumper it's very personal. You mm-hmm. just go up to someone and be like, hey, I love your jumper. Instantly starts a conversation. As opposed to having to make a phone call, being put on hold or being call diverted. Yeah. Just, oh, it's just not for me. And I'm sure yeah. it's not for a lot of other people. Some people, absolutely. Yeah. I think but, they um, have their place. Like those and, being lines, in, but... and being in hospitality myself as my job, um, we've obviously copped it quite heavy with COVID. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that really are struggling still. So I can relate a lot to that. And obviously with Isaac, with his background, that is just an ongoing and never-ending topic. So 
But yeah, our, our goal is to absolutely spread this from a very personal level. Mm-hmm. And one that when I have a conversation or when we have a conversation with someone, they believe and understand that we relate to what they're saying mm-hmm. as opposed to just going, oh, I'm sure that would be blah mm-hmm. or I can imagine how that feels. So more from a lived experience. Yes, of, yeah, because um, even though angle. our story is different to theirs and mine's different to yours, yeah. there's definitely topics that you will talk about that I can relate to. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It's just if we can mm-hmm. relate on something, we're going to talk longer. Yeah. Simple as that. And so what are the plans? Like some oh. events in, like obviously we're locally in Adelaide, South Australia, so some events happening in the future yeah so we've actually now you mentioned that we've got our official launch night happening (laughs) on september 8th uh amazing yes which is good in adelaide and it is at haynes and co and it's actually an open invite to anyone it was going to be a ticketed event private sort of invite only or just you know buy a ticket and you can attend Mm -hmm. but we've had big meetings and haynes and co and shout out to that venue um and also victor from refined real estate we've they've put together and sort of sponsored the whole event amongst some other sponsors as well. But they're the two main ones and we've opened it to everyone because mm-hmm. we want we just want people there. We want people to buy the hoodies on the night and that's sort of stage one, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the official launch, but our goal is just to get 100 hoodies on the street um, because 100 hoodies on the street is 100 more people knowing about it yes. and knowing about us, do you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, do we expect that people to come? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> do I, you know, would I be upset if they don't come? No, but if, if one person comes, we yeah. can make a difference. So, yes. yeah. So, yeah, Thursday night it is at 5 p.m. if you yeah. guys want to attend. And how can people find information yeah, online so to, for that? Together Forever Facebook. Um, yeah. So Forever is number four and then ever, together spelled as is normal. There's mm-hmm. an event actually on there. You just follow the, pretty much follow the links and it's all on there. All the information's on there. Do you and need to pre-do the... the Ticket, quote unquote, or we can no, just turn up on so the night. No, so you can just turn up on the night. We do have invitations being created as we speak. Oh, lovely. Which I will send out to personal people like such yourself. You'll get one personally. <laughs> but um, but they'll be all up publicly as well. Yes. So just across the board. Yeah. Shared across all these networks and every man and their dog is invited, essentially. Yeah. Where we're not restricting it to anyone because I feel like if we restrict it to people, then people feel like they're missing out yeah. or they don't feel good enough. Or they can't afford a ticket. Yes. Like we had a real yeah. discussion about it. We're like, you know, we don't care in the end. We just want people to know about us and want people to feel yeah. approachable. And if it's 50 bucks or if 100 bucks or even 20, sometimes people just can't afford that. Yeah. And like if I put that pressure on people, then I'm literally being a hypocrite to what I'm saying because money is one of the most stressful things on people's mental health. Oh, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't, we didn't want that. No, and I think that's a really good attitude and that's also sort of, I guess, how I feel around mental health is that, like, it's just so important to have more people out there who are having open conversations or even just the visual of the hoodie or, you know, listening to the podcast or whatever it is because of the ripple effect that comes from that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we, our goal, as I said, from this event, we want to do monthly events at... Mm -hmm. Um, the Robbery Hotel, which yep. they've got a beautiful function room there. Not plugging them. I'm just really saying, good coffee. Yeah, I hear. really good coffee actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Um, but no, we want to. Those events are going to be deliberately put. We're going to put on some food, and we'll have the most the most corporate formal part of it will be like a 20 minute welcoming speech. Thank you for coming. Yeah. A bit about what this gathering's for, and that event monthly. The plan is anyway. 
The doors will be open to anyone, business people, non-business people, employed people, unemployed people, All friends, humans. anyone that want to walk through that door and quite literally just network with other people. Yeah. Not to talk about work. You can if you want, but mm-hmm. you don't have to. You can talk about anything, have some food and just chill out. You connect. can buy a hoodie on the night and connect with someone that you never thought you would meet before, mm-hmm. someone that you never know could change your life. You yeah. just don't know until you walk through those doors. And we want to do those monthly. And we'll advertise that and promote that at the event. And mm-hmm. I think we're hoping to get some good traction from it. And we don't think it'll be massive from day one. But I think over time, Adelaide being as small as it is, word of mouth is a big, powerful tool. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, you know, we get so caught up in comparison to something that's maybe been set up for years. But, like, you have to walk you have to walk before you can run, right? So... You know, I just am so excited to see where this is going to go. Yeah, I think well, it's going to be really we're, we're ambitious and we're nervous, but we're excited yeah. about the journey. And as I said, like, I've got no real big expectations. If you were to ask me what I see in five years, the answer is no idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what people, that's what I say when people ask yeah. me that question. I don't know. <laughs> and without, without being disrespectful to myself, I don't really care. I yeah. just, I'm riding the journey and taking the wave as it is. And people like yourself is yeah. why I'm doing it. Yeah. You saw my jumper, it started a conversation. Yeah. Because um, without using that as a quote, it's literally a conversation starter. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I want to start conversations with people <laughs> and usually I don't have to start it. They see my jumper, they're starting it. Without even knowing it, they're the ones starting the conversation. And it almost gives that person permission in quote unquote, like they can tell, okay, this person is wearing that jumper. That person's probably going to be open to having a conversation around yeah, mental health. Absolutely. So they're going to feel more comfortable in broaching that or bringing it up or asking about it. You know. So I think that's. I think it's such a great tool that you've you've put together to use for the organisation. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And as I said, I put, I did put a lot of planning into it in regards to the initial, mm-hmm. I guess, wow factor. Like. Yeah. It originally was the quote. It was the logo without the quote. Yeah. But then I was like, without the quote, it's sort of I'm really having to explain what it is. Yes. Even though I still do explain, the ice is broken by the first line. Absolutely. And because the ice gets broken, it opens people to talk about it more from the get-go as mm-hmm. opposed to going, oh, it's a mental health charity organisation, blah. Mm-hmm. They already know that it's a charity. It's a mental health something. Mm-hmm. It's something mental health. So as you said, they feel comfortable already. If they're going to talk to you from that go, they already understand that it's about mental health. You don't have to worry about triggers because, mm-hmm. for example, you didn't know, you asked me and I go, mental health, and you go, oh, that's a trigger for me. Oh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But because you've seen it and you know you can read it, you that, that question and that issue is already gone. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's where the conversation starts. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. And I'm so excited for everything that's to ah, come thank for you. you. And I'm so glad that... There are more people, there's people like you out there, especially, I mean, this is my hometown. So like, I'm so excited that there's other like-minded people out there who are as passionate about mental health as I am and are Ah, doing such (laughs) amazing work. So I'm very excited. I can't wait for the event on September 8th. September 8th. Yep. Thursday night. It's a Thursday night. And so we mentioned that... Um, listeners can find you on Facebook, but yep. they can also find you on Instagram. On Insta. So together forever Oz, um, yep. all one word. It's on Instagram. Um, same, same. Sort of the information's on there. It's such a link to the Facebook. And yep. once we get the invite out, it'll be on there as well. 
again, we're starting from scratch and I'm doing it while working a full-time job. Yeah. So whenever I get time no, at the moment. No, that's good. So you have to, there is a lack of content, we'll say, but um, we know it'll get there eventually. For sure. So. And I'll put yeah. all of those links in the show notes as well. Perfect. So if Thank anyone um, missed it whilst we were talking, you can find it there or you'll be able to find it on my um, High Tide, Low Tide AU Instagram handle. I'll um, put it on the um, tile for this as well. So awesome. people will definitely be able to find you. That's awesome. We want, <laughs> yeah, we want anyone to come. Literally, the more people, the merrier. Amazing. Hopefully, you have enough jumpers. Yeah. So, if you're in Adelaide, I expect you all there. <laughs> you can come and meet myself, and you can meet Kimmy on the night. So, it's going to be an amazing time. Fantastic. Lovely. It'll be good. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, no, coming absolutely. all the way down no, my right. way. Thank you for having me. It was, it was a good drive. <laughs> good. And um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Fantastic. Thank you very much again. Appreciate your time. No worries. And thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. Doei. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Even better, if you know someone who might benefit from listening to it, please tell them all about it. You'll find more information from today's episode in the show notes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on High Tide, Low Tide, please email me at lisa, spelled L-E-E-S-A, at hightidelowtideau.com dot com or dm me on instagram at high tide low tide au see you next time